This is Bethel Online. Welcome home. This is the next best thing to being at Bethel on Sundays. We are driven by making disciples of Jesus who make disciples. When you're online, interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. When you're in Barhead, Alberta, drop in Sundays to Friday. Our goal on this podcast is to ask questions, challenge certainty, and grow a relationship with Jesus so you can go the distance and bring others with you. Thank you for tuning in. So as you can tell, and as Landon mentioned, our series theme all month long, and actually into November, is Life is Messy. The idea that I think everything in life that is really good is messy. So relationships are messy. Nature can be messy. Food can be messy. Sex can be messy. Children can be messy. Families can be messy. And definitely fun can be messy. And when you put children and fun together, uh, this is what you end up with. Uh, this, is, uh, this is our youngest granddaughter, Anora. She thought she would have fun uh, in the spring melt this past year. So went outside, and uh, what you might not be able to see is that she lost her boots. So the boots are another place on her grandpa's farm, and this is uh, Anora getting cleaned up at the end of the day. Pretty messy. Uh, but she was having fun up until it all kind of turned sideways on her. Messy. And our lives and our relationships... Um, isn't it true that when you look at your life, that sometimes you think that what is going on in your life is unique to you? So the things that are happening in your life, you think that everybody's, they've all got it together, but you, you're facing stuff that just doesn't work. When I was a teenager, um, I really didn't like my life. I didn't like myself. Um, I didn't like my face. I had a horrible case of acne, and it didn't last a week or a month. It lasted years. And it was so bad for me that when I got up in the morning, I would take my comb and I would cover my face like this and I would comb my hair. I couldn't look at myself. I felt so embarrassed and ashamed. And I, I think back on now and I think that was so silly, uh, right? I had nothing to be ashamed of. I thought people were looking at every zit that I had on my face and I realized they, they weren't even paying attention to me. They probably didn't notice that at all because everybody else in my class all had the same kind of thing uh, as a teenager. But isn't it true we look at everybody else and we think they've got it together, I don't have it together? And yet I think perhaps you've observed and what I've learned is that when you find out and dig down a little bit, you discover that everybody else has stuff that's going on in their lives, stuff that is uncomfortable, that is difficult. Maybe it's about their family, Maybe it's about their health. Uh, maybe it's about their appearance. Maybe it's about uh, their marriage. Uh, it may be a lot of things, but they're messy. And we want to deal with those subjects over the course of the next coming Sundays. And we want to see, because when we look into our life and we see the mess that we find ourselves in at time, where does God come in? Where does Jesus come in? And we want to take time each Sunday to look at a story in the life of Jesus and how he interacted with people. And we want to kick off with our very first story today, but before we do that, we want to get messy. At least we want to have five kids that want to get messy. So Davis is down the front here, and uh, the first five kids to get to Davis get a chance to play for a prize. Okay, so the first five kids that get to come down the front to Davis, just come on down. As soon as you come, the first five, we'll count them off. And uh, we got three already, we got four, and we have five. All right, so we've got, oh... Got our t-shirts already, so we're going to get messy, and we got t-shirts that we're going to put on the kids. And uh, once you have your t-shirt, come on up here and join me on the platform. 
Okay, come on up. There we go. You're our first contestant. I'm going to bring it right down this end over here. All right. And the next one up. Come on right up here. And then Davis, once he gets everybody's T-shirts on, is going to explain what we're going to be doing here this morning. Okay, right on up, right behind the table. Okay, there comes number four. And number five. And so Davis, in a moment, is going to show you guys what you're going to try to find inside the tubs that are in front of you. Okay? So I'll let you show everybody out there and everybody in here what they're going to be looking for. And it's going to be the first one to find these inside your tub here. We've got a prize for you. So... Got to find them with your hands. So we're going to have a countdown, everybody in the house. You're going to go three, two, one, and then we're going to all yell, go, okay? All right, all set? All set? Okay, everybody together. Three. First one to find three. Who's got, you got one, who's got two? I got three. You got three? All right. We have our winner. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay, well, we got the big prize for the uh, first one. So here we go. This is uh, Squishy and then also a pack of M&Ms and actually one for all of our players today, okay? Thank you for coming out and playing today. Here we go. There we go. Thank you. So you can go with Davis, and we got towels that will help you get cleaned off and get adjusted. And uh, Kevin, can you help me for a sec? Yeah, we got stuff down on the floor down there. That's good. Sometimes you have ideas that get messy, right? And they work out in ways that, yeah, well, you know what? We're going to leave them. That's very good. Look at this. You're, you're a thinker, man. Okay? Experience. Experience. All right. That's good. Thank you. So, life, life can get messy. And where does God come in? And how does he interact with us? And I had a towel up here, and it's probably still in proximity. I'd like you, uh, if you would, to turn in your Bibles where you uh, heard Landon reading before from John chapter 9, and to go to a story of Jesus and how he entered into the mess of a situation, and how he saw the situation and how his closest followers saw the situation. And for us to be able to pick up a lesson that I think will relate to all of us this morning. So John chapter 9 is where I'm going to have you look. And it's the story, as you heard before, of Jesus with his disciples and encountering a man who is described as being blind from birth. So I have a friend, her name is Jenna. And uh, this week, Jenna shared a story um, that she hadn't told before. She's a, a fellow writer 
Uh, I love reading what she writes. Um, but this week, she shared something that she's known about for three and a half years, but has been very tentative about telling anybody else. And you'll understand why, perhaps. So three and a half years ago, her husband came to her and told her that their 16-year-old son, whose name is Sam, uh, wanted to be known as Samantha, that he was transgendering. It's a Christian family. She loves her boy, and she loves him as a boy. And when her husband told her this, she thought that it was some kind of a cruel joke, that she thought he was just pulling her leg or doing something crazy. But Sam wanted to become Samantha. And so for the last three and a half years, her son has been known as Samantha. Uh, Jenna still says that she has a hard time calling him Samantha, but that's how he wants to be known. And she says this, when he comes up from the basement and he says, Mom, you want to go to the food court? And he's dressed in a skirt. She simply says, yes. Because sometimes the people that you disagree with but also love can make life messy and make it awkward. But her choice was to love her son, to walk forward with the son. And the last three and a half years, the only reason she didn't share this with anyone else was simply because she didn't want to draw unnecessary attention uh, to the whole situation. Some of us today may have things in our lives that we've kind of suppressed, we've pushed down. Maybe they happened to us years ago, we've carried them, but they're a bit of part of our mess. They're part of what we experience in our lives. And maybe it goes way beyond just your facial appearance, but there's something in your fabric. The man that we're going to hear his story uh, experienced blindness his entire life. The Bible doesn't say how old he was, it just simply says that he was blind from birth. And Jesus encounters him. Now, follow along with this story here. Um, as Jesus went along, he saw. Can you say the word out loud, he saw? So he saw a man blind from birth. Not only did Jesus see the man, but his disciples that were with him. And it's more than just the 12 whose names we know. By now, Jesus had kind of a pack that followed him wherever he went. So this whole group of people, and they come along across this man who is blind. They discover that he's been blind from birth. Jesus saw the man. Here's the big thing. His disciples saw the man. I, I think, even without saying in the story, that Jesus saw the man differently than his disciples did. Because look what the question is the disciples ask. They say, Rabbi, we have Sunday mornings in our adult Sunday school class, ask the pastor. This is ask the rabbi. And so they say, Rabbi, uh, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, I'm not sure what you think about God, and I'm not sure what you think about sin. But I think sometimes people think that God thinks about sin all the time. And I find this story quite revealing about God. Because it's not Jesus who raises a subject of sin. It's now his disciples. Who sinned? You see, in the day of Jesus, and I think in our day too, we like to have answers to stuff that doesn't make sense. Why would a man be born blind? And when we see someone who is suffering, we want to make sure, don't we, that that suffering doesn't happen to me. So if we can say that somebody's at fault, that either his parents are at fault or he's done something that keeps him blind, but somebody's at fault, so we can just find who's at fault, then we can have an answer, and then I can make sure that I never do what caused that man to become blind. We look around at others and we think that if we can just live in a good way and we deserve good, then we're going to get good. I believe that's the outcome that they were looking at. So they felt that he deserved to be blind. 
Somebody was at fault. They were fault finders. And it was either his parents or him. It was a binary question. And the thing is that sometimes we want to be good so we can get good, but that doesn't work. Life does not work out that way. Because some of, if I can say, the goodest people I know have the biggest mess at the same time. And you see, mess is not equivalent to good or bad, that we all face messes, that we're all in a mess. And life is not a mathematical equation. Life doesn't add up at times. You can't take a, a board like this and, and put together some kind of mathematical equation that if in your life you do A and you do B, then it equals C, and C is good. And we want to put together stuff like that. In fact, in our lives, we'd like to think that our life will go um, something like this, straight up and to the right. So if this is a graph and life is like this, then we want to be heading this way, right? We want to be increasing. We want to be becoming better and better and more prosperous. And we think that's the way life is. We think that life can be like one step, two step, three step, four step, and we just keep going in this direction and it'll take us where we should go. But how many know that life isn't like that? How many know that, that life is like starting off and then you circle back and then you, then you start off again, then you hit a deep part and then, then you get better and you go up here like this and then you go, and, but then you circle back again and then sometimes you circle around and you go forward and then you're up and you're down and you're over and you're under and then you try to get back up again. Isn't that how life is like? It's not a straight line. It's not a mathematical equation. You, you can't put it together in a way that is controllable. And that's what Jesus' disciples were trying to figure out. How can we control life? How can we figure out life? Somebody must have messed up. Somebody's at fault. Friends, you can waste your life trying to find fault in your life and in the lives of others, or you can live and do the works of God. You see, because when Jesus answers the question, who sinned? Notice what he answers with. One word. One word. You can spend your life finding fault, or you can grow grace in your lives. And when Jesus answers, he wants to be not the fault finder. He wants to be the grace grower. And he answers with one word. Can you say that word out loud? Neither. Neither. Yes. Neither, neither, either way is good. But he answers that. So nobody's at fault. It's not his parents. It's not him. Nobody's at fault. You're trying to be fault finders. That's not the answer. That's not where Jesus was trying to go with this. And he goes on and he says this. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. So if you've ever been concerned about God and you, and if you've ever been worried about the whole idea of church and sin and about people who sin and sinners and different things like this, I think that we tend to be more interested in sin than God is because Jesus is God. He's on earth. He sees this man. He answers a question in a way that the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, all the religious leaders would not have answered it. They wouldn't have said neither. They would have affixed blame somewhere. They would have found fault in somebody. Because that's how it kept their religious system going. Somebody's got to be at fault. When there's a mess, somebody's at fault. And Jesus is not interested in finding fault. Jesus is interested in doing the works of God. And the ability to do those works becomes absolutely huge because we're called, I believe, to do those works. That when we find ourselves in the middle of a mess, God wants us to meet us there. That he wants to meet you there. That he wants to meet you there today. And if you're watching online or if you've come into Bethel and the circumstances of your life that you could honestly call them a mess, that it's just kind of a mess that I'm facing in my life, that you're in the right place. 
that God's brought you to a place. It's interesting in this story that Jesus interacts with this man. And, and so I think to try to make it real, uh, Landon's been so helpful to me today. He's going to come and join me again up here and, and help me again. Um, so Landon, I'm just going to have, because we kind of lost a lot of our platform here, I'm going to have you stand there. And uh, so the story, in order to be real, um, Jesus took dirt, right? And then the Bible says, um, what did Jesus do with the dirt, right? He, he spit in the dirt. Okay, so I was just thirsty, that was all, so. <laughs> so I'm going to put a bit of water in here. And uh, I'm going to try to be like Jesus and uh, create some, some mud. Messy, life gets messy. And it's interesting that Jesus uses this illustration with this man, right? Because in the past, if Jesus saw someone that was sick, if someone was blind, he would simply say, eyes be opened. If someone was experiencing something of deafness, he would have just unstopped their ears. Uh, when a little girl who was dead, he simply spoke the word and she came back to life. But here in this situation with a man who is blind from birth, he chooses to take some dirt from the ground and then spit in it and make mud and put it on the man's eyes. So he actually makes the man's situation worse. Have you ever been in a situation where you hope it gets better and it only got worse? And you prayed. You said, God, help me, right? And then things got worse. And you think, well, a lot of good prayer is. Like, where is God in the midst of this? Sometimes uh, the appearance is that it gets worse before it gets better. But that's okay. Because when you're asking God and you're trusting God, great things can happen. And this man was simply trusting a Jesus. So, Landon, I'm going to have you close your eyes. Yeah? <laughs> And uh, I'm just going to apply this mud uh, to your eyes. We're going to get messy here, okay? And then you just put your hand over your eyes and just hold that there. All right. Very good. All right. So, the man now has mud in his eyes. And what does Jesus say? There's a word that he uses, one word. It's simple, two letters. What does he say? Go. Go. Can you say that out loud together? Go. Go. It's interesting that Jesus sent the blind man away. So here's the healer, here's God. He could change that man's life, but he sends him away. Why does he do that? Why does he send him away? And the interesting thing is he sends him to a pool called Siloam. We heard Landon read this earlier. Do you know what the word Siloam means? It says it in the Bible as you read along there. It means sent. So Jesus sent the man to sent. And the idea of being sent away Perhaps today you've been sent to Bethel, that you've been sent here because God wants you to be here, and he wants you to hear and see and experience something for your life to help you know what your next step is going to be, because that's exactly what he did for this man. He sends him away. How many know that some people who um, want to see stay? So they want to see, but they like staying in their comfort zone, and even sometimes their pain can be a comfort zone because it's all you know. If you're blind from birth, what do you do with your life? You beg, that's how you make your living, but you don't think about seeing, because you don't know what seeing is. You've never done it. You're just blind. And so your comfort zone is to be blind. And some people have things in their life where they're very comfortable with it, even though it's not the best situation. It's a mess. 
And so we can kind of resolve ourselves to be in the mess. And what Jesus says is that you can stay in the mess or you can be sent out of the mess. And it all is about the response of that. And so I'm going to have um, Landon do exactly what the guy did. So Jesus says, go. And the man took one step. So you're coming towards my voice. There we go. And then he took another step. And then he took another step. And that's all he did, was that he took a step towards the pool. Again, he's going blind. He's got mud in his face. But he's moving, and he's going along. And he's following what Jesus did. So the next steps, really, in our lives, the first step is this, to trust. That we need to trust Jesus. We need to trust Jesus. Trust involves surrender. Trust involves giving up my will to follow what God wants me to do. And that may just be an act of faith, to trust God, to trust Him. And the second thing is to obey. The man obeyed. He left where he was, and he began to walk blindly to go to a place that he perhaps had never been before, this pool called Siloam. And the third thing is what we're going to get to in a moment in the story. But right now, we'll get to this with Landon. So Landon, here's a towel. And if you just want to do the best you can, that's, yeah, you look great. <laughs> All right. Give Landon a good hand for helping illustrate this today. Thank you, man. So the man goes to the pool, and he does exactly what Jesus asked him to do. Now notice this. The pool where the man goes is called the Pool of Siloam. It had a very spe a specific purpose. It was used either for fresh drinking water or ritual cleansing. So ritual cleansing would mean the people wouldn't get in the pool. They would just use water to cleanse themselves in, in a religious way. It was not a place where you wash to get clean. You don't wash mud off your face in the pool of Siloam. So here's a guy who's blind, sent by Jesus to go to the pool, and he's got mud in his face, and he bends down to start to wash, and somebody at the pool goes, hey, you can't do that. Get out of here. you got mud all over your face. Get out of here. Sometimes when we go to find help, the very people who could help us are the people who shun us that sent us away, that we follow what Jesus asked us to do and we get to a place where we could find help and then suddenly there's not that welcome there. We're actually asked to leave. We're actually asked, you don't fit here. And so what does the man do? Does he respond? No, he follows what Jesus asked him to do. He goes against, as it were, the accepted culture, the rules, and he washes his face and the Bible says that he comes seeing. He came home seeing. I don't think he walked home. He probably ran screaming all the way along. I can see, I can see, I can see. And everybody was excited about that. In our lives, in the mess that we find ourselves in, the ability to trust Jesus, to obey him. What does that mean to obey Jesus? Well, it means just to take the next step, the very next step for your life. And as you go along in that, you may need to go and apologize to someone. You may need to go and ask for forgiveness, or you may need to go and give forgiveness. Or you may need to go to counseling, or you may need to go to recovery, or you may need to go to divorce care, or you may need to go to simply somebody you trust and tell them what you're going through, your mess. And that is about trust, and that's about obey, and that's about washing. Because it's in those moments that our eyes become open and we get to see and we understand and we see Jesus. You see, in terms of our lives, life is messy, but Jesus is real. 
and what we experience in Him. And you know, there's no better opportunity today than to do the works of God. And I think every Christian has this choice in their lives, just like the disciples. You can either find fault, or you can do the works of God. You can either look into other people's lives and find the fault, or ask the question, who sinned, this man or his parents? Or to be able to do the works of God. And what Jesus says in these scriptures is that I'm in the world to do the works of him who sent me. And so are you. That's what he says to his disciples. And the night is coming when there won't be opportunity to work anymore. You see, this is the moment we get to live in. This moment. This uh, 6th day of October 2019. This is the day we live in. And what is the work of God that he's calling you to do? What is the step that he's calling you to take? What part of your life is in a mess, that God wants you to take the next step so you walk through. You see, Jesus says this happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night's coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And after saying this, and you watch the illustration of him spitting on the ground, making mud, sending the man away, and the man came back because life is messy, but Jesus is real. And whatever you face in your life, Jesus is real. He is very much present here today. That if you're watching online, for those in the house, that whatever your situation is, whatever your mess is, whether it's family, a marriage, your health, your job, your, your, your emotions, uh, your mental health, your physical health, that Jesus wants to help you take next steps as you go forward in that. I met a man, his name was David. And I met David... Um, on Easter Sunday, 2014, it was April the 20th, at the end of our Easter Sunday services, uh, I gave an invitation for people who wanted to have someone pray for them, and David came down to the front uh, and uh, had the opportunity to pray with David. Um, it was only months later that I learned David's story. You see, he started to come to church every Sunday after that, and he came in May and June and July and August. And then in September, he called and said, could, Pastor Bob, could we meet? He had been emailing me, I'd been answering his questions, but he sat down to meet, and this is the story he told me. David was 34 years of age, and he was one of the highest-ranking members of the Crazy Dragons gang in Edmonton. Now, if you've never heard of the Crazy Dragons, they are more ferocious than the Hells Angels. With the police and in our province, RCMP, they recognize that the Crazy Dragons have more power in Edmonton and on the drug culture, and David was a drug dealer, He'd spent time in prison, had been accused of murder, had been involved in a lot of crimes, and now he had come to church. He had come to church because he was in a mess, and he wanted to get out of that mess. You see, he came to church because he remembered what church was like. When he was 14, he was in church. He grew up in church, and he actually was Jesus at Easter in his church when he was 14 years of age. They had him dressed up. He was nailed to the cross. He played out that role. And now, 20 years later, at the age of 34, he came back because he was married and he had kids and he was in a mess. He was trying to get out of the gang. And he came to talk. You know, friends, when he told me that story the first time and I sat across the table with David, I thought he was yanking my chain. I thought he was making this all up so somehow he could get my sympathy. But he was telling the truth. And Edmonton police connected with me. They actually... Uh, assigned officers to protect him and his wife and kids. And so he started to come to church, and he kept on coming through October. The last time I saw David was a Sunday morning in November. He passed through the foyer. We shook hands, said good morning. He went into church, 
And that's the last time I saw him. The next time I heard of David was when this headline hit the papers, that they found his body burned in Langley, B.C., that he had been killed by the gang that he was a part of. And so they discovered his body. Police investigated later that year in 2015. They came from B.C. to interview me, to just trying to find out about his story. But here was a man in a mess that is unimaginable. And yet David reached out to God and found in Jesus a change, a, a forgiveness in his life for what he was facing. Of all people, if somebody had told me that there's this one of these gang leaders who sells drugs and have been in jail and they actually want to go to church, I'd go, I doubt it. I, that's so far and hard to believe. And yet David in his mess came and reached out and trusted. Uh, Amanda. Amanda, one year later, started to come to church at North Point. She shared a story with me when she asked, Pastor Bob, could I get baptized? She shared a story with me because, again, when you looked at Amanda, you wouldn't know her background. She was raised by an alcoholic father who sexually abused her through most of her growing up years. Her teenage years were about sex and drugs, meth and abortion. She was now married, had a couple little kids. Before that, she'd been an escort for six years, a prostitute. And, and she came into North Point because she wanted to find a way out of her mess and came to a point where she did just like the blind man. She followed the next steps with Jesus, to trust, to obey, to just give him her life. And her life radically got changed and transformed around. And I can't go into the whole story, but, but you can follow on version. There's a link to an article I wrote about her, and this is Amanda, and uh, her story. She said, now's my time, Pastor Bob, now's my time. That I'm, I'm, I want to be able to share with other people what's happened in my life. And I want to be able to set an example for my kids. And, and, I, and God's given me a way out of my mess. And I want to get baptized publicly because I just simply want to say how much Jesus has changed my life. And I want to celebrate that with others. You know, we have a water baptism service on November 3rd. And if you have decided to follow Jesus, what better time than to pick November 3rd as a day for you to take that next step of water baptism. And if, if you're a follower of Jesus, but you haven't made that step of, of getting baptized, then um, why not talk to me afterwards? You could talk to, uh, to Landon. Uh, you could talk to other leaders in our church. You could talk to Jonathan at the back there. Uh, and just let us know that's your interest. And we'll, we have a class coming up on October 20th, Sunday morning. I want to just talk with you about that. But what greater step to take than to say, Jesus, I'm following you. I want to let everybody else know that. I want to celebrate that. And just like Amanda, say, now is my time. Now is my time. I've taken the next step to trust. I've taken the next step to obey. I'm walking, trusting Jesus in the middle of my mess, walking through that mess, not staying where I am and wanting to see, but being sent and going and following him and coming back with eyes open, with the ability to see, with the change that occurs. And so in our lives, you may be watching again online, in the house, two things that are on my heart. First of all, if you've come to this point uh, of your life and you haven't done what, what I would call crossing the faith line, the faith line is an imaginary line. On one side of that line, you understand about God and about faith and about love in your mind, but you don't have it personally in your heart. And that faith line is imaginary, but it's real. Because if you're on one side of it, you need to get to the other. You need to, as it were, 
be sent to follow what Jesus invites you to do. But taking that next step on the other side of the line is something that's intentional. It's a decision, but you can do it right where you're sitting, right here in the house or at home. That step is simply taken by saying, Jesus, I need you. Like David said, like Amanda said, like Jana said, I need you. And I, I trust you. I open my life to you. Please come into my life. Change me from the inside. Become my Savior and my God. I want to follow you. See, that's what followers do. Followers experience not going straight line forward, but they experience God's faithfulness to them in all the curves and the hooks and the backs and the ups and the downs. And to start today would be a wonderful thing. And to simply say yes to Jesus, to take in your mind one side of the line and go to the other. And this day, the 6th of October, 2019, would be your day to do that. And so I would invite you right where you are to simply just get right with God, to talk to God, to simply say to God, I want my eyes opened. I, I know that you love me just as I am, and I want to follow you just as I am, and I want to do and live my life for you. So right where you're sitting in this place today, you can make that choice right where you're watching online. And I know that in this moment that God's interacting with you. And as well, when we come to the conclusion of our service, and I'm going to pray, and then we'll be close to the conclusion, I wanted to just invite people to come for prayer, just like I did with David. I didn't know David was in the house that day. I didn't know that he was a drug dealer. I didn't know that his life was in danger. I just said, if you have a need, why don't you come? We'll pray with you. We'll believe God. And David came. And then Amanda came. And this might be your opportunity to say, I'd like to come too. I just want to, I need God. I need his help. I would just like someone to pray with me. So I would certainly open that up for you. Right now, for all watching online, those in the house here, would, would you just take a moment and let me pray for you before we close off our gathering here today? Dear Jesus, thank you for, we got to see you today. We got to see how you interact with a man who had a need in a mess. And, and we heard your heart as we watched your actions and how you cared about that man and cared about your disciples and everyone benefited. That in the middle of his mess, you brought him healing. And I pray right now that everyone in the sound of my voice that is facing their own circumstances that would be a mess. That all of us, Lord, in our lives are in a mess because of our separation from you, because of sin. And we need you to forgive our sin. We can't do it ourselves, but Jesus can. And so we look to you, Jesus, and we want to trust you and obey you and follow step by step after you. And so today, there are many people that are saying, that's for me. So Jesus, I pray that right now, everyone that is saying, Jesus, I trust you, that they would feel something in their heart, in their mind, of your assurance that you heard them that you're working in their life, that you are helping them take the next steps as they go forward, that even in their blindness, even with mud on their face, even with their situation not solved yet, they would have that first step of saying, I trust you, Jesus. I want to know you. I want to obey you. I want to know your voice. So thank you for hearing these prayers and for what you're doing in the lives of people. In Jesus' name, in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Life can be messy. But Jesus is real. And the platform and the games and the kids and the dirt and Landon and all of this coming together to create an environment and an opportunity 
uh, for you uh, in the future, this week, to engage with other people and invite them to come with you to your church. Thanksgiving weekend, it's going to be great. We have five people who are going to be sharing for five minutes each a verse from the Bible that comes from their heart that could celebrate gratitude. And so that's next Sunday. It's people from Bethel, people that you know, people that you love. So why don't I invite somebody to come along with you, to sit with you in the area that you're sitting in. To not just say, hey, come to my church, but come sit with me and be a part of what we're going to experience together. Time goes by so fast. <laughs> I look forward to this all week, and there it's gone. And we're about ready to head off. So like I say, I'm going to come down the front, and uh, anyone who would like to have prayer, I'd be glad to pray with you. Again, those watching online and everyone in the house that made a decision to follow Jesus, you can text the word follow to that number before, 780-707-5569. That life may be messy, but Jesus is real. God bless you today. We love you. Thank you.